Our scripture passage this morning provides an interesting insight into the ancient social relationships, which are in many respects like ours, but in many other respects unlike ours today. Notice how involved the community was in this process. They had heard all about the miracle of this child's conception, and they rejoiced. They had been aware of Elizabeth's disappointment and had supported her during her shame that she felt at being barren. And it was only natural then for them to rejoice when she discovered she was expecting a child. Notice, too, that after eight days, when the child was to be named and dedicated, they were all right there on hand. What seems to us to be a private and even intimate affair was a community event for them. And finally, we see how they talked about this. And they talked. And they talked. And the word went throughout the entire hill country, the Bible says. And they asked themselves this question. What will this child become? They were all interested because they had all been involved from the very beginning in hearing some of the unorthodox things related to his birth. They were expecting great things. What then will this child become? The community apparently had high hopes for this infant with an unlikely name. John. No one in his family had ever been named John, yet his father was adamant. His name is John. And of course, we know the background. Zechariah had learned his lesson. Not being able to speak for nine months pretty well did him in. I mean, he's a priest preacher, if you will, and talking is kind of important. <coughs> he learned his lesson, no doubt. And also, no doubt, this child was destined for greatness, the, the neighbors reasoned. They could only imagine the path his greatness would take. Some have imagined probably military greatness, perhaps in the likeness of King David. What wonderful things he would accomplish for Israel. They must have believed this. Others perhaps imagined political greatness. Someone who would replace the Roman governor. Or maybe even the emperor. This child was unusual. 
and they expected great things. Still others must have reasoned that with a priest for a father, his greatness would be in the religious realm. Surely he would become a high priest, they thought. But what a disappointment he must have been to them. To those who had set a course for his life, it must have seemed that John had been possessed by some kind of evil spirit or something, for he never reached his potential according to the community. He lived an isolated life. His diet of locusts and wild honey was unorthodox to say the least, even if by locust was meant the fruit of the carob tree as some have suggested. And his dress, well, let's just say he did not dress to impress. <laughs> Despite an early expectation his community had of him, John could be subbed up, summed up, his life could be summed up in one word, weird. <laughs> like some offbeat preachers we may have heard about, and these have probably been around in every age, John had his followers, but the greatness they had imagined for him had slipped away. Those who were still alive when John was imprisoned and then executed must have reflected on how this boy with such potential became such a disappointment. If they had chosen a word to describe their feelings, it would not have been amazing. But we know what they could not have known. We have benefit of knowing the rest of the story, so to speak. We know that John was not born to fulfill the expectations of his community, but for the purpose of pointing to another. This is how John the disciple began his gospel, six verses into the first chapter, he says, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. His friends and neighbors and relatives were all amazed that Zechariah would name his son John. But God's capacity to amaze was just getting started. 
the shepherds were amazed at what the angels told them. And after visiting the stable, when they began to tell the people round about what had happened and who Jesus was, they were amazed. When Mary and Joseph took baby Jesus to the temple soon after his birth to be dedicated, they were amazed at what Anna and Simeon said about him. And as Jesus grew, he continued to amaze. At 12 years of age, Mary and Joseph took him to the temple where it is said he amazed the priests by his understanding of scripture. And so it continued that God amazed his people through his son, Jesus. In his hometown of Nazareth, Luke records about his neighbors, all spoke well of him. My sermon got turned upside down. <laughs> all spoke well of him and were amazed at his gracious words that came out of his mouth. They said, is this not Joseph's son? Matthew records, and when the demon had been cast out, the one who had been mute spoke, and the crowds were amazed and said, never has anything like this been seen in Israel. Or there's Matthew's testimony, so that the crowd was amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the maimed whole, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised God, the God of Israel. Even the disciples were amazed when Jesus spoke and stilled the storm. It says they were amazed, saying, what sort of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? But it wasn't only the miracles of healing that caused their amazement. But what they learned from his lips about God also amazed them. As Matthew and Mark say, all the crowds were amazed and were saying, can this be the son of David? Meaning, by that, the descendant of David who was to change things. They were all amazed, and they kept on asking one another, what is this, a new teaching? And with authority. We could go on, of course. Pilate was amazed by Jesus' responses to his questions. Peter and John were amazed when they reached an empty tomb soon after the resurrection. And the amazement continued after Jesus ascended into heaven as the church continued to teach and preach and reach new people. Wouldn't it be miraculous if this old, weary world of ours could be amazed 
again. What might happen if we could once again be amazed at what God was doing in us and through us and around us? I'm hopeful because I believe. Dare I say it? I believe in Christmas. I believe that anytime God makes his presence known in this world, amazing things happen. In 1914, what they called the Great War and what we call World War I was well underway and the atrocities associated with that war were in full swing. Lines of troops occupied trenches from which they shot anyone who ventured into the area between the trenches, an area called no man's land. The fighting had been bitter and the conditions in which they fought were frightful. The mud and sludge and cold were made even worse by the explosions of artillery which shook the ground. Every once in a while, a troop commander would order his troops to leave the trenches and storm the no man's land with the predictable results. Men were left dying and dead in the mud, or even worse, dangling from the barbed wire barriers. And the men were weary, weary of the mud and the cold and the noise and the death that December. Many of the trenches were continually flooded. Soldiers were covered in mud and exposed to frostbite and trench foot, which seemed impossible to treat. They were dreading having to spend Christmas away from their families. Then something amazing happened. On Christmas Eve, 1914, soldiers from both sides put down their weapons, stepped out of their trenches, and the enemy really did meet enemy between the trenches. For a short time, there was peace. Some of the truces had been arranged on Christmas Eve, while others were arranged on Christmas Day. Along many parts of the front line, the truce was brought about by the arrival of miniature Christmas trees sent to the German troops. This prompted the singing of Christmas carols. And although the words were unfamiliar across the language barriers, they recognized the tunes 
And before long, troops were singing in French and English and German familiar Christmas carols. And soon heads began to pop up over the tops of the trenches as troops risked exposure and were rewarded by an eager enemy meeting them in no man's land. In some places, men used this truce to collect their wounded and retrieve and bury their dead. Often enemy troops exchanged gifts of cigarettes or chocolate. And in at least one place, an impromptu soccer game was organized. Sadly, this truce didn't happen everywhere and it didn't last beyond Christmas Day. In the following year, strongly worded messages were sent from headquarters on both sides saying there would be no fraternizing with the enemy troops. This was forbidden. After all, what kind of war could they wage if enemies got friendly with each other and refused to shoot them? So the Christmas truce of 1914 never had a chance to become a tradition. But it shows what can happen. It shows that even in this age of guns and drones and missiles, we can be amazed if we are only willing to look beyond our differences and see what we human beings have in common. We, Christ's amazing church, hold the key. In this weary world, we must be brave enough to lift our heads above our trenches and proclaim joy to the world the Lord has come. We must live out our faith. We must be true to our calling in Christ to be ambassadors to this weary world. We, Christ's own people, must proclaim the news that peace can prevail. It is possible to exchange our weariness for hope and joy. But we can't do it if we aren't willing to be more than pew potatoes. It requires being bold and unapologetic in our faith while still being gentle and good-natured to those around us. Does that sound like a tall order? It is. It requires Christ to be at work in us. That's what the Holy Spirit in our lives is all about. If you can't hear me, 
Perhaps you will listen to C.S. Lewis. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You are either all in or all out. There's no other way to amaze our weary world.